And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully, you guys are having a great week. Um, A lot to get to today. I actually have to do a little bit of a shorter episode today, um, and I'll make it up to you guys uh, with some longer episodes next week, but I will get to as much as I possibly can. I I had a guest uh, book today. Um, They actually bailed last minute, and I wasn't able to uh, get a new guest book because uh, just about everybody in the industry is at CPAC today (laughs) or on a plane on the way to CPAC, or they're too busy covering the Michael Cohen uh, hearing, uh, congressional hearing that's going on right now. It's basically going to go on all day. Um, And to be quite honest with you, I'm not even going to talk about the the Michael Cohen stuff. Michael Cohen is uh, President Trump's former lawyer and flipped on him and is now trying to take down the president. Uh, Nothing's going to come of this hearing. It's one of these boring, stupid, partisan, hackish uh, congressional hearings. I think there's nothing more useless than a congressional hearing, um, especially with somebody like Michael Cohen, who is literally going to prison um, because he perjured himself before Congress <laughs> the first time he he testified in front of Congress. So I, I don't really think there's any reason to believe anything that he's saying since he's a uh, convicted liar. He's literally going to jail for lying to Congress. So, and look, and these hearings are just so boring to me. And there's a lot more important things going on in the world of politics. So, uh, yeah. Just tune out right now if you're trying to hear about boring BS like Michael Cohen. It's really not that interesting to me. But, uh, yeah, before I get into the news of the day, um, uh, guys, follow us on Twitter, at NoGimmickSpot, if you haven't already. And if you haven't already, please subscribe on uh, SoundCloud, Google Play, or iTunes. If you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate that. All right, so uh, as of Monday night, uh, the Democratic Party is officially on record as the party of infanticide. Um, on Monday night, the Senate voted on Ben Sass's Born Alive Abortion Survivor Protection Act. Um, the bill would have forced abortionists uh, to provide care to infants uh, who are born alive in botched late-term abortions, botched partho- partial birth abortions, uh, and it would require the abortionists to transfer uh, the infant that was born alive uh, to a hospital as soon as physically possible, since obviously most abortion clinics, uh, Planned Parenthood and, and, and the sort, uh, are not equipped to actually care for an infant. Um, they're kind of in the business of, you know, killing infants, not not keeping them alive. So it would force uh, abortionists to provide the same care um, a doctor would, would provide any other infant that's born alive and to transfer the infant to a hospital as soon as physically possible. The bill failed. They needed uh, to reach the 60-vote uh, threshold. Uh, they only got 53. Uh, the bill failed uh, 53 to 44. Uh, a handful of senators, uh, Tim Scott, Lisa Murkowski, and a couple others, uh, weren't able to get back to D.C. in time and didn't vote, but it wouldn't have mattered. Um, they needed seven Democrats to vote for the bill, and they only got three. Three Democrats. Three Democrats voted to protect infants that were born alive in botched partial birth abortions. 
three Democrats, and that's Joe Manchin of West Virginia, Doug Jones of Alabama, and Bob Casey of Pennsylvania. Uh, Joe Manchin and Bob Casey uh, are, they at least pay, you know, lip service, and, and they, they claim to be pro-life, and then they, they typically don't vote that way. They, you know, they vote to, to fund Planned Parenthood and the such, but, um, but you know, they at least pay lip service to being pro-life. Doug Jones does not, but he is in Alabama, um, so obviously he's running for re-election. In 2020, um, if he voted for infanticide, there, there'd be no no chance of him being reelected in, in a deep red state like Alabama. I don't think he'll be reelected anyway. But uh, you know, and and you know, I don't really care if Doug Jones did this for political reasons. Whatever, he still did the right thing. So, uh, I guess credit to those three Democrats: Manchin, Jones, and Casey. Uh, three Democrat, three Democratic senators out of the 47 Democratic senators. Three voted to make infanticide, the murder of a baby that's already been born. This is not an abortion issue. This has nothing to do with abortion. Okay, you can't abort a, a, a person that's not inside of a mother. I mean, this is just a baby, just outside, just outside of, out of, the, outside of the womb, a baby born alive. Democrats voted to kill it. I don't really know what how you'd go about killing a baby that is just a, a you know, a, a breathing, crying baby. Outside of the mother, uh, do you shoot it? Do you punch it in the face? Do you strangle it to death? I, I would guess it would be some kind of like lethal injection with morphine or something like that, I, w- I would assume. Th- this is just a sad day. It's a sad day for the country. It's a, it's a horrific day for the Democratic Party. Like I said, they're on record now. They're on record. And, and good on Ben Sass for, for writing this bill. Good on Mitch McConnell for forcing the vote. Um, you know, they, they, they forced the Democrats to show their true colors. And they did. Three Democrats opposed infanticide. 47 were fine with infanticide. Chuck Schumer, the minority leader, uh, either didn't read the bill or is flat out lying. My guess would be lying. Um, and, And said that this bill was an extremist bill and an attack on women's health, which makes absolutely no sense. Uh, it has nothing to do with, with a woman's health. This is, these, these babies are already born. This is not a baby in the womb. This has nothing to do with the life or the health of the mother, like like Democrats like to say a lot. It has nothing to do with that. It has absolutely nothing to do with the mother. When you've already given birth and the baby is outside of the womb, it's not part of your body anymore. It has nothing to do with your health. It, it, it's just a baby. I mean, 82% of Americans believe that uh, abortion should be illegal after the second trimester. Okay, so even that 18% of Americans that believe you can have a third trimester abortion, I doubt many of them, maybe 1%, 2%, believe that you can have an abortion in the fourth trimester. Obviously, I say that in jest. There's no fourth trimester. <laughs> I, 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 out of those 18% that, that agree with late-term abortion, I highly doubt many of them at all agree with post-birth abortion, just slaughtering an actual infant. The Democratic Party... I mean, maybe the only people, the only 47 people in the entire country that are okay with this are the 47 Democratic senators that refuse to vote for this bill. This isn't just radical. I mean, this is this is this is so far beyond the pale. This is far too extreme, even for for Democratic voters. Like even politically speaking, they just hate Republicans so much the vote against any bill introduced by a Republican. Or maybe they're just so obsessed with abortion that anything they can even connect to abortion, they'll support. Even if it is clear-cut infanticide. 
I have to hope and I have to I have to believe that the Democrats are going to pay a price for this at the ballot box. They have to. This is far too extreme. This is far too evil for the American people. This is far too evil for your average Democratic voter. And I know we have some Democrats listening to the show. You know, tweet at me at no gimmicks pod. If you're a Democrat, if you're on the left, did this go too far? And if you don't believe this went too far, then my friends, you've you've taken some wrong turns in life. The Democrats have openly embraced evil this time. They're, you're, you're openly embracing evil when you're openly embracing infanticide. There's, there's no other way to put this. This is satanic, and I don't use that word lightly. This is absolute Satanism. This is just an obsession with death. I mean, this is absolutely disgusting. When you embrace evil of this magnitude you're at the bottom of the barrel like there's no more slippery slope here right like the democrats it's not like you know uh it's a slippery slope to to you know perform abortions after a heartbeat's detected or a slippery slope after the first trimester you're just advocating for killing an infant you're at the bottom of the barrel you're at the bottom of the pit there's no more slope left to slide down for these democrats And you're going to see a lot more evil. Like, you're going to see a lot of evil from the Democrats in the coming days and months. When you've embraced infanticide, what's next? What's next? Honestly. In 20 years, are we going to be debating on the Senate floor? Well, you know, a kid really doesn't have a memory. Like, a kid can't really, you know, remember stuff. It isn't really thinking for himself until you're, I don't know, 18 months old. So we should be able to abort an 18-month-old. I mean, really. Or maybe like, well, a baby can't talk until they're, you know, a year, year and a half. So maybe until you can speak, you can be slaughtered. I mean, is that that far off from what the Democrats are advocating for now? They're openly embracing infanticide. A baby that is no longer in the womb, no longer inside of the mother, not a part of the mother's body, has no effect on the mother's life or health. It's just a baby, a healthy baby sitting there. That could be cared for by a doctor and given up for adoption to any number of the, the millions of families across the country that, that are unable to have kids of their own. Who knows what's next? When you've openly embraced this kind of evil, I, I don't know where you go from there. I really don't know where the Democrats go from there. And just as a Christian, I'm not, I'm not trying to get all preachy on you guys, but as a Christian... There's, there's a difference in kind when it comes to sin, right? Like, I, I, there's no degrees of sin in the eyes of God, but there's a diff- it's different to sin like we all sin every day. Like, I sin every day. I'm absolutely terrible at being a Christian. I'm, I'm terrible at being a man. Like, I'm, I'm the worst. As, is it Paul that said, you know, out of all the sinners, I am the worst? I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I have Paul beat. And uh, I, for all of you religious people out there, I'm, I'm sure you feel the same way about yourself. But that there's a difference between struggling with sin and embracing it. Right? Like we all fall short of the of the glory of God every day. We all need the forgiveness that comes in Jesus Christ every day. But there's a difference between struggling, falling down and getting back up, repenting of your sin, and just openly embracing it. This is evil. What the Democrats have done is evil. It's Satanism. It's like this weird paganist child sacrifice at the altar of leftism, at the altar of statism. 
It's an anti-human mentality. That's not even... These Democrats voting for these kind of policies, it's not like the kind of sin where you mess up and you ask for forgiveness and you try harder the next day and then you mess up again and you pick yourself back up and you ask for forgiveness and try harder the day after that. You're, you're embracing evil. You're embracing the will of the devil when you're embracing infanticide. Thomas Jefferson said, Since I know that God is just, I tremble for my country. Since I know that God is just, I tremble for my country. And I certainly tremble for my country today because God is just. And his justice will come. I tweeted this last night uh, about my congresswoman, Marcy Kaptur, who is a a hardcore leftist. She's kind of like a Bernie Sanders-style pseudo-socialist. And she also claims to be a Catholic as well. Um, And, you know, she's voted for things like late-term abortion and, and, and the sort in the past. I just tweeted, My congresswoman Marcy Kaptur, a Catholic, should be asked about her party's opposition to Ben Sass's anti-infanticide bill. If she supports post-birth abortion, the Diocese of Toledo should excommunicate her immediately. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know why these leftists in office who claim to be religious people, whether they're Jewish or Protestant or Catholic, are never held accountable. Especially Catholic politicians in the House and the Senate. You know, it's tougher to nail down, you know, individual Protestant denominations and stuff like that. But when you're talking about the Catholic Church, the Catholic Church has clear-cut, straightforward opinions and doctrine on, on things like abortion. It's like, why are these leftist Catholic politicians not excommunicated by their bishops? They should be. They should be held accountable. So moving on, uh, everyone obviously right now is talking about this this stupid congressional hearing with with Michael Cohen, the president's former attorney. Um, I want to talk about something that actually matters, something that we should be talking about, and as far as I can tell, uh, no one is actually talking about. India and Pakistan, two nuclear-armed countries, are bombing each other. India and Pakistan, two nuclear-armed countries, are shooting at each other right now, ladies and gentlemen. I was skimming through cable news and and checking if any cable news network was covering this. Uh, Fox covered this for about 10 minutes uh, this morning. Fox News did. Uh, As of now, and this is um, about 20 after 1 here this afternoon, neither MSNBC nor CNN had covered uh, this conflict at all, Um, (laughs) which is just, which is absolutely insane. Um, So... Two days ago, India bombed uh, terrorist targets inside of, of Pakistan. Uh, Pakistan, the, the government of Pakistan, are they're known terrorist supporters. They, they fund terrorism. Um, they are a, a pseudo-terrorist state. Pakistan is not. Uh, they're not a friend of the United States. They're not a friend of, of the West. Um, so India bombed uh, two separate terrorist targets in Pakistan. This is the first time since the end of the India-Pakistan War uh, in uh, the early 70s, the first time since 1971, in fact, uh, that India has hit targets inside of Pakistan, the first time the Indian uh, military has crossed the Pakistani border. Pakistan responded yesterday by shooting down two Indian MiG fighter jets and arresting um, one of the pilots. Um, this is... Look, when you're talking about two nuclear-armed powers like this, this could escalate. This could escalate out of control on a moment's notice. 
Okay, this is the kind of stuff that should scare you. Let me pull up some stats on uh, the firepower employed by both of their militaries. Um, you know, they both have... Uh, well, India has about 1.3 active members of their military. Pakistan has about 100,000 in theirs. India has uh, almost 2,200 aircraft, including 600 fighter jets, mostly MiGs. Uh, Pakistan has almost 1,300 aircraft. India has 4,400 tanks. Pakistan has about 2,200 tanks. India has 295 uh, naval vessels. Pakistan has 197. Um, Two very large, formidable militaries in a very volatile area of the world staring each other down. And now they've started dropping bombs and shooting down airplanes. I remember when uh, President Trump was inaugurated, so... uh, it was February of, of 2017, over two years ago now. He did that interview. Uh, presidents always do an interview uh, before the Super Bowl with, with a host from whatever channel is hosting the Super Bowl. And uh, President Trump was telling, I, I think it was Bill O'Reilly was doing that interview. He was still with Fox News at the time. And, and President Trump was, was talking about a conversation he had before the inauguration with President Obama. And Obama was kind of... Um, you know, going through some of the things that Trump should keep an eye on. And and uh, Trump told Bill O'Reilly that Obama had told him what what the the greatest threat geopolitically was, what the issue was that was keeping him up at night. And most people assume that it was North Korea uh, or it was the conflict in Syria or Libya or, you know, ISIS terrorism somewhere or, you know, something like that. And I, at the time, I immediately thought, and I think I said this on the podcast at the time too, um, that for my money, I bet none of those things were keeping Obama up at night. I bet it was India and Pakistan. If World War Three is going to happen, it's not going to be us going to war with the Russians. That's not going to happen. Russia wants nothing to do with war with the United States. It's not going to be us going to war with China. China is very interested in a, <laughs> a technological war and an economic war with the United States, but they, they want no peace of the United States military. They're too worried about trying to grow their own economy. If World War III is going to happen in our lifetime, it's going to be Pakistan going to war with India, United States supporting India, China supporting Pakistan, that kind of thing. Each one of these countries, India and Pakistan, have over 100 active nuclear warheads that can hit targets close to 5,000 miles away. That's what we're talking about. This isn't Maduro in Venezuela. This isn't Assad in Syria. These are two nuclear-armed powers that absolutely hate each other and have hated each other forever. When we're talking about politics and we're talking about geopolitics, the most important thing we can possibly talk about is war, right? There's nothing more important than war. War is the biggest issue that's ever faced the world. Any given year, any given century, for all of human history, the biggest news going on is whatever war is being fought at that time. And thank God we haven't had a full-scale global war since the 1940s. But this could escalate. I hope it doesn't. I pray it doesn't. I don't think it will. I don't, I, I don't think these two countries want an all-out ground war or something like that. And certainly I don't think they want to risk nuclear war. But if it's going to happen in our lifetimes, this is going to be the conflict that sparks it. Now, one thing to keep in mind is Pakistan is back is bankrupt. They have absolutely no money. 
They give up far too much money to terrorist organizations. Their country is very poorly run. Um, they're a somewhat poor country. India is not. India has money. But Pakistan is still pretty poor. They don't have the, the money to fight an all-out war uh, with India right now. But if they were being subsidized by somebody like China, who also hates India, you know, they could get some of their money to, to you know, fund the war effort that way. But keep that in mind. You know, Pakistan isn't in a position to launch an all-out war against India right now, thank God. Um, but look, the, the, the biggest thing we should be keeping our eyes on politically and ge- geopolitically are, are these issues. And we need to hope and pray and hope our government does whatever they possibly can to help these two powers back down and come to some kind of an agreement without all-out war. When it comes to Venezuela, of course I hope that leftist regime, that communist regime under Nicolas Maduro falls. But I hope it falls without a war. Without a civil war in Venezuela and without a war involving foreign countries. Certainly without involving us. President Trump is in Vietnam meeting with Kim Jong-un right now, and everybody's up in arms. He shouldn't be meeting with Kim Jong-un. Kim Jong-un's a killer. He's a, he's a dictator, and Trump is way too friendly to him. Yet yeah, it bothers me that Trump will say nice things about North Korea. I mean, certainly you shouldn't praise the probably the world's most brutal dictator. But the most important issue for me is that we denuclearize uh, the Korean Peninsula without a war. Like, I don't care, I don't care what Trump's language is regarding Kim Jong-un. If he gets them to denuclearize or even sets them down the path of denuclearization, that's a win because we're avoiding war. Whatever we can do to avoid war (laughs) on the Korean Peninsula, whatever we can do to avoid war in Venezuela, whatever we can do to avoid war between India and Pakistan, we should be doing because war is the number one issue. Avoiding war should be our number one concern. That's all I got for today. Hopefully I'll have some cheerier subjects for you on Monday. And I will uh, do some longer episodes. I know the episodes this week were a little bit short. But uh, yeah, I'll be back uh, with some longer content next week. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you guys so much for all the great feedback you've been giving me lately. It really means a lot to me. And uh, I'm always trying to make this thing bigger and better for you guys. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No freaking gimmicks. (laughs) 